Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Yes, the United States of America is first now in numbers of people infected with the coronavirus, COVID-19. And the number that I saw earlier today was 81,321. Obviously, that number is out of date now. And more than 1,000 deaths. So, the United States of America has the largest number of cases of infected people. At this time, as far as the nation with the largest number of fatalities, that is Italy at last count. With Spain nipping at its heels, so to speak. Amazing and terrible. But China has the second most cases, but not the highest Number of fatalities. Italy number one, Spain number two, shockingly. But before I share more about the pandemic and the pandemic in the United States of America, let's let's move on with something else. Let's go back to what I was talking about last, the previous program. There were actually a couple items that I really left unfinished. One pertained to the so-called $2 trillion emergency relief package pertaining to economic relief targeted at lifting the United States of America, the people of the United States of America, out of recession. Well, that package was passed by a vote of 100 United States senators to none. Thanks to many things, including the able political leadership of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican Kentucky. But also, this was... (laughs) absolutely impossible for various senators to oppose politically without committing political suicide. So it wasn't just a matter of great bipartisan cooperation and what have you. It was a matter of personal self-interest. That ruled the day. But then, of course, it goes on to the House of Representatives. Now, frequently it goes the other direction. But here, it has gone on to the House of Representatives for passage. And last I saw, it had not been approved yet. It probably has by now. The thing is, there are a great many Congress people who are not in Washington, D.C. 
unlike was the case with the Senate. And they are seeking the leadership, Nancy Pelosi and company, seeking to have a vote on this remotely, long distance. And there is one congressman who is opposed to that, believes that is unconstitutional and also opposes the package. But it swelled up to $2.2 trillion thanks to the political jockeying of presidential candidate Bernie Alinsky Sanders pertaining to unemployment benefits. So as it was delivered to the House of Representatives, it has a price tag now of $2.2 trillion. But again, with the actual individual payments to be sent to taxpayers in the United States of America consisting of one single solitary payment of up to $1,200 and then additional possible payments of $500 per child in the household, in a qualifying household. We shall see what will be with regard to that. But regardless... Regardless whether that is confirmed today, tomorrow, in the next several days, the question is how long will it be before these checks are sent out or before direct deposits are made? Well, this is entrusted in the able hands of the Treasury Department's IRS. So, it has been stated that it could take months. That's right. It could take months before these payments of emergency relief actually arrive. How is that possible? Well, The Internal Revenue Service, the numbers of employees has been pared down and they are hamstrung by the current crisis, which is affecting everyone. And the computer systems supposedly date back to the 1960s and so forth. So we shall see what will be. But Moving on to more exciting matters that I was discussing at the very end of the previous program concerning the matter of Democrat presidential candidates, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, naming running mates. Now, I am in stark disagreement with the experts here. Weeks ago, in the last couple of weeks, I've stated, and, and even going back before that, that in my view, these men should have already named their VP selections. Why? Because it's politics 101. This is not about, contrary to what Joe Biden has said, 
This is not about selecting the most qualified person. It's not about selecting someone who would be the ablest president in the absence of these two nominees, whichever one should be elected. No, it's not about that. It's about getting elected. That has been the time-tested and trued formula for selection of vice presidential running mates. It doesn't mean that the selections are well done even from that perspective, but that is the focus. Go back to John Fitzgerald Kennedy and his selection of Lyndon Baines Johnson, which I happen to believe was a fateful decision, but nonetheless. And all the way up to present day, selections based on whom can provide the greatest assistance in becoming elected? Who will deliver the most voters? Who will give the biggest bump or surge or what have you to the presidential campaign of the nominee? That's what it's all about. And with regard to the timing of this, even though it is typically at the convention, after the nominee has been announced, has either won outright going into the convention or is selected at the convention, it's normally named at the convention. Can be afterwards. You know, it's not a matter of requirement. But as far as I'm concerned, with regard to the Democrat nominee. From where I sit, it is a foregone conclusion that the Democrat nominee, whether he be Joe Biden or whether he be Bernie Sanders or whether it be someone else like dear Hillary Rodham Clinton, regardless who the candidate is, They are virtually guaranteed to clean up the black vote, something to the tune of 95% of the black vote, the African-American vote. And they will receive the majority of the Mexican vote and the other Hispanic-Latino elements. And they will receive the overwhelming majority of the sodomite vote, and the overwhelming majority of the Jew vote, the Jewish vote, and the majority of the women's vote, the majority, the overwhelming majority, overwhelming majority of the union vote, Not just the Teamsters and AFL-CIO, but the teachers' unions and so forth. These are foregone conclusions. This will happen. 
regardless who the candidate is, let alone who is the running mate. And this idea, this fiction that is being floated, that it matters whether the running mate is a woman, whether the running mate is of color, black, African-American, or whether the running mate is Mexican or Hispanic, Latino, or something else, anything else, is nonsense. It just doesn't matter in the general election. Because the Democrat faithful will fall in line overwhelmingly. And the so-called independents, many of whom really aren't, they're just not enthusiastic Democrats, you know, but still not really independent. They still vote heavily Democrat. So many. They will vote Democrat. It won't matter. Where it matters is for this primary battle. Where it matters is selection of the nominee. That's where it matters. That's where it counts. That's where Democrats are voting against Democrats. That's where left-leaning independents are voting against left-leaning independents in open primaries. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where it matters. That's where this really counts, which is why both of these men should have named their VP running mates weeks ago. And of the two, it's very clear. It's what I said before weeks ago. Joe Biden, super strong with the black African-American base. So it makes no sense for him to select a black African-American running mate. He's struggling getting the vote, the support of the Mexicans. Choose a Mexican. This is not difficult. Choose a Hispanic Latina who happens to be Mexican. And I say Latina as compared to Latino. Make it a woman, by all means. In the primaries. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders, he's done very well among Mexican but poorly among black African-American. Therefore, he should select black African-American. Woman, again. Why woman? Because it's the primaries. And women are voting against women, in a matter of speaking. Forget the candidates. The voters are voting against each other, competing against each other, negating each other's votes. So both of these men are desperately seeking the votes of black women, African-American women, the votes of Mexican women, 
Hispanic Latino women. Now, these demographics are different in one particular respect more than all others, as far as I'm concerned. And that is this, that the black African-American vote is so heavily female because of the state of the black African-American family. So very, 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 very many families being single-parent families, with that single parent being a woman. And with men being in prison, not for being victims of racism, but for having committed violent crimes and other crimes and many crimes. But anyway. So that is a distinctive difference. Reaching the women voters among black African American is even more important than reaching women voters among the Mexican, Hispanic, Latino communities. And yet there's this great big brouhaha about, oh, it's so exciting. Now they're going, who they're going to select. Going into the convention, it won't matter. Once the nominee has been selected, it will not matter whether they have a running mate. They will collect all of the Democrat vote, all of the leftist independent vote, period. The only question will be turnout. But, Whether the Democrat women voters, the Democrat black African-American voters, predominantly women, the Democrat Mexican voters, whether they vote enthusiastically or unenthusiastically won't matter. They're not going to be braving temperatures of 20 and 30 below. This is not primary season, you know, as far as caucus season and primary season in the heart of winter. Instead, it will be something other than that. It will be pre-winter. And perhaps, and I say perhaps, perhaps post-pandemic, perhaps. But regardless, they can, of course, mail their votes and so forth. And rest assured, there will be other means. You know, vote online and so forth. So it should really be exciting. But Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, it's very, very exciting whom they will select, even though it doesn't make a whit of difference. The only way it will make a difference is this, is that once one of these men becomes the nominee, if that man should be elected, I say if, but if 
that man should be elected president. Live long enough to be elected. Then whether he takes office or not, there is the little matter of the VP being a breath away, a heartbeat away from the presidency. Then it matters not whether the person is a woman or black African-American or Mexican-American or Asian, Oriental Asian-American or Indian, Indian-American or Native American, Indian-American. No. What will matter is Are they a deserving, worthy, honorable, noble, God-fearing, godly, wise, good leader? Which the Democrat Party has none of. Zero, zilch, nada. But, you know, such a short time following the departure of Liz Native American Indian American woman Warren so short a time following her suspension of her presidential campaign this gaggle of women got together all of them Democrat Party political activists. And they crafted this pecking order list of demands, absolute demands, to submit to whomever the party's nominee should be. And that checklist of demands included that henpecked Joe or henpecked Bernie would choose a woman running mate. Yes. And that henpecked Joe or henpecked Bernie would see to it that women would constitute the governing majority of his administration. So his administration would be ruled and reigned over by women Democrat political activists. that he would surrender his administration to them. And economic issues of greatest concern to them would be his number one priority throughout his first 100 days, should he live that long. And that all other appointments that he should make would reflect the diversity, the diversity 
of all of those great communities across this great land. You know that it would look like America. Do you remember Bill Clinton's cabinet and how it looked like America? Oh, yeah. It just looked so American, didn't it? Outstanding. But you see, whichever man becomes the nominee, he is going to be coerced, forced to submit to the will of these Democrat, feminazi, women, political activists and operatives. Well, it didn't take Joe long to capitulate. No, great seasoned leader that he is. Mere days later, at none other than the Democrat presidential debate, the 11th such auspicious occasion. Yes, Joe He proudly announced that he was committed to selecting a member of the fairer sex as his vice president. He went on to say that there were any number of women who qualified to be president tomorrow. Talk about pandering and demagoguery as an art form. Great work, Joe. Meanwhile, he also added to that that he was committed to nominating, drumroll please, the first African-American woman to the United States Supreme Court. Well, it's nothing like payback, right? You know, for all of that really enthusiastic support in key primary states, South Carolina and across the South and up into the Midwest to provide this sop to black women throughout the United States of America. Outstanding. But, you know, he's kind of behind the curve, don't you think? I mean, let's just look at California for a minute. Just, you know, California. California, which, according to the figures I've seen, shows having 31% Hispanic, Latino, a.k.a. Mexican voters. And if I remember correctly, only 7% black, African-American, and 15% Oriental Asian. And those were the figures. Now, this was for Democrat voters, okay? But if you're black African-American in the United States of America, let alone in California, 95 to 99 times out of 100, you vote Democrat. The black African-American voters, they're not the most committed constituency. No. They're not the most loyal constituency. No. 
They're the most enslaved constituency. <laughs> but 7% to 31%. But Joe is looking in the rearview mirror. Certainly, not all states have the same kind of demographics as California. But, go on across the South from the Pacific to the Atlantic and tally it up and tally the total population and then look more closely and break it down to those who are eligible to vote and then break it down to those who do vote. And I think you will find that there are more votes to be had among Mexican Americans, Hispanic, Latino Americans, than among black African American voters. But before I continue on, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever's lacking, erring, deficient, that is on me. That's due to me. That is my fault. But, too exciting. Quote, I'll pick a woman to be vice president. There are a number of women who are qualified to be president Tomorrow, well, Joe, step aside. <laughs> you know, just step aside. Let them be president instead of you attempting to become president. But you see, he is just so thrilled. Really, I mean, let's not rain on the parade of this man. He's so thrilled at being able to taste victory, practically, at becoming the nominee, finally, on his third attempt. Not to mention those times when he did not run, when he would have liked to have run, but he just didn't think he could get it done. Oh, but he's so excited, so enthusiastic, he is beside himself. So, of course, I don't care who's my VP. Anybody will do. Well, wait a minute. He's not saying that. I'm saying that. Truly. Find me a Democrat candidate for president that he wouldn't accept. That he wouldn't accept. Is there Anybody that ran for president this go-round that he would not accept as his VP, including Bernie Sanders. Is there? I don't believe it. Or let's go back to last time round. Let's bring in Hillary, Rodham, Clinton, 
If he believed it was more helpful for his cause of becoming president, of being elected president in November, that it was more helpful for him to select her than to select one of these others. You know, the likes of Liz Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Kamala Harris, and so forth. Do you imagine that he wouldn't select Hillary if he really thought that would be most helpful? Of course he would. He would select Sodomite Pete Buttigieg. He would. If he thought that was going to be most helpful. It doesn't matter. Oh, but he tells us, no. He even conferred with Barack Hussein Obama. Quote, the most important thing, and I've actually talked to Barack about this, The most important thing is that there has to be someone who, the day after they're picked, is prepared to be president of the United States of America if something happened, end quote. Joe Biden said that. If that isn't ironic, I mean, stop and think about that. Really, stop and think about that. So, (laughs) first of all, You know, if the mountain won't come to Muhammad, Muhammad will go to the mountain. Joe Biden has conferred with the great man himself about this. If something happened, meaning if Joe Biden were elected president, And he dies immediately. That VP has to be ready to take over. That's all that matters. But Joe, in his wording here, he is famous for his faux pas, isn't he? He's famous for for his misstatements. So let me read that to you again. Quote, the most important thing, and I've actually talked to Barack about this, the most important thing is that there has to be someone who, the day after they're picked, is prepared to be president of the United States of America if something happened, end quote. But Joe The day after they're picked, if you die and you've selected them before the convention, they may not become the nominee, right? Why would they? If Bernie didn't have enough delegates, and Joe died before the convention after having selected his VP nominee. 
It would be an open convention. It would be a brokered convention. Those two things, they supposedly mean the same thing, but they don't. An open convention, wide open, democratic process. Brokered convention behind closed doors in smoke-filled rooms. No, they don't have smoke anymore. They just have e-cigarettes and so forth. They're smoking pot, maybe. You know, after all, that's legal. Not cigarettes, but pot. Yes, notoriously stinky pot. But it's ridiculous. He should have clarified. He should have said that if something happens to me, The day after I'm elected president, then they have to be ready, ready to take over like those Democrat feminazi women political operatives, political activists, stormtroopers. Hillary's ready. Hillary ran the war room for Bill for eight years in the White House after having run it down in Little Rock. She's not qualified because of her vast intellect that she would have us believe that she possesses. No, not by dint of her staggering intelligence, which we are to believe Liz Warren also has, and Kamala Harris, they all do. Brilliant. But by reason of the years, the decades that she has spent in the political trenches wielding political power, viciously, ruthlessly. It's not to say that these other feminazis wouldn't do plenty of damage, too. They would. But yes, Hillary has the most experience. But that's the most important thing. Well, perhaps you saw that United States Senator from Nevada, Nevada, Cortez Masto, who is 55 years young, 22 years younger than Joe Biden, that she, it would seem, is definitely a contender. Why is she a contender? Who is she? Well, She's a United States senator whom Harry Reid, former majority leader of the U.S. Senate, got elected in his place to take his place. And after endorsing her to be his successor, Back in 2016, when he chose not to run again. 
not to run for re-election. He is solidly in her corner. And Harry is functioning as a kingmaker, in case you hadn't heard. But she became the first ever Hispanic Latina U.S. Senator. So she was elected back in 2016. Took office in 2017. And here, only three years later, she has been promoted. What do you mean promoted? How can a U.S. senator be promoted? Has she become president? No. But she has been promoted to being the senior U.S. senator from Nevada. How does that happen? Well, that happens when the senior U.S. senator ceases to be U.S. senator. So she is enjoying a charmed existence. Are there others? Yes. Besides U.S. Senator Catherine Cortez Mostel. You know, the ones like Liz and Amy and Kamala Camel. The ones like that. But it's exciting. It is so exciting when we have such outstanding men running for president as Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Outstanding leaders that they are that will allow themselves to be forced into giving up the reins of their administration, even before they're elected. It is a sight to behold. They should have learned something from history. And that is, it can be very dangerous to select the wrong person as your running mate. It can be positively Fatal. If you want to ensure that something bad will happen, Joe, be sure to choose the wrong person as your running mate. Unfortunately for you, you've got so many wrong ones to choose from. But meanwhile, the tweeter in chief, Donald Trump Sr., You would think that Twitter would be in love with Donald Trump. Nobody, nobody in the world has done more to legitimize and popularize Twitter than Donald Trump Sr. But, nope, (laughs) no, no Twitter, that great giant of social media that it has become. For twits everywhere. It is refusing to use its power to brand Democrat National Committee 
attack ads against Trump as being manipulated media. It's refusing to do that. For the second time in a week, it has refused to do that. Oh, well, Donald, I guess you just don't get no respect from Twitter. So sad, really. Just so sad. Meanwhile, perhaps you've seen experts, brilliant people, decrying President Trump's efforts to deal with communist Venezuela and its dictator, President Nicolas Maduro, and also to deal with Islamist regime, Iran, and so forth. His refusal to pressure them, to apply pressure on them during this worldwide coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. Outrageous. You know, we're supposed to be joining together, drawing together, engaging in global unity. But no, not President Trump. Instead, full speed ahead with, quote, maximum pressure, end quote, being applied to Venezuelan dictator Nicolas Maduro and to Iran. It's, it's really, I think, just too funny. But Attorney General Barr, William P. Barr, quote, while the Venezuelan people suffer, this cabal lines their pockets with drug money and the proceeds of their corruption, end quote. Anyway, it's exciting. In spite of everything that's wrong about Trump, His administration continues to do good things, right things. You will not have that with a Democrat president and his Veep. You won't. We haven't. Forever and a day. But meanwhile, I thought it was so funny. I saw a story that, or two, or three, that stated that this pandemic that it is causing problems for Vladimir Putin, president for life, dictator of the Russian Federation. And it's preventing him from remaining in power in Russia through 2036. What nonsense! What idiocy! Nothing could be further from the truth. So what if they have to delay (laughs) the vote, the popular vote, the nationwide referendum on confirming the constitutional amendments, which he scheduled for April 22nd, but has now 
been postponed to a future date yet to be determined. This is not going to mean one iota of difference. Not at all. But the geniuses, the experts, ah, they would have us believe otherwise. Oh, Vladimir Putin, he's on his way out now. No. If nothing happens, he's in power through 2024 and he will use force to prevent anybody else from taking his place. Plain and simple. This whole constitutional amendment business is nothing but machination, political machination. Whether it happens or doesn't happen, whether it happens being confirmed in April or in May or June or July or August or September or next year doesn't matter. But, oh, let the experts have their way. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin's Russian Federation, again, has been, as I have stated before, engaged in a massive disinformation campaign concerning COVID-19 specifically to sabotage the efforts of the European Union nations in combating it. Meanwhile, Europe has really been clobbered, haven't they? Italy, France, Spain, to mention just a few. But, as I mentioned previously, Secretary of State, big guy, Mike Pompeo, weighed in. He blasted communist China, Russian Federation, and Islamist Iran for engaging in this disinformation campaign, rightly so. And he called on Americans. Thinking Americans, he didn't call them that, I'm calling them that. Thinking Americans to make sure they are getting their information from reputable sources. Because, of course, Americans that are not thinking Americans, (laughs) there's no use talking to them about that. Meanwhile, I spoke about the defense secretary, Esper, the other day. Well, what's going on with the U.S. military? Another than, none other than, outbreak of coronavirus, COVID-19, aboard the United States of America's USS Theodore Roosevelt. Yes. And so this aircraft carrier has made port in Guam, And all 5,000 aboard will be tested. But, no, that doesn't have any impact on military preparedness, military readiness of the United States of America. No. Except when you multiply it many, many, many times even in the United States of America. 
Meanwhile, the other day I mentioned about New York City and New York State and that when it peaks in New York, (laughs) by the time it peaks in New York, it will be peaking elsewhere. And after it has peaked in New York, it will be peaking elsewhere. And the Centers for Disease Control has now stated that they believe that the coronavirus, COVID-19 outbreak in New York City, it's only a preview of coming attractions. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.